Genesis like we've been doing. We've been going to the book of Genesis, uh, talk about people in the book of Genesis. And today we're going to talk about an unnamed person uh, in Genesis, but to me a very important person, and uh, that's Abraham's servant. So if you go to Genesis chapter 24, Genesis chapter 24 uh, is where we're going to take a look this morning. And I can get to it myself here. And Genesis chapter 24. <clears throat> it begins in verse 1. It says, Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, They ruled over all that he had. Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, Thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou... Uh, that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from, thy, from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And so uh, there's a lot more in here. We may read some, some more, uh, you know, as we go along. But, but uh, we're just talking about this, this servant, this servant that uh, uh, Abraham is going to send out. And, of course, this servant, uh, many of you have ever heard preached and taught about the servant. It kind of pictures the Holy Spirit and how the Father has sent the Holy Spirit into this far country called Earth and uh, to get a bride for his son. And so this is kind of a, a, an Old Testament picture of, uh, of a New Testament truth. Now, just the first thing that we're going to do, though, is we're going to kind of look at some things that are, that are a little unique, and, and we read through them, and we just kind of pass through them, but we're just going to just make a few statements about them. First is that uh, the unique oath that's made, uh, and I think it's just kind of interesting, but he says, I will make thee swear by the Lord God. It's verse 3. <clears throat> oh, no, I'm sorry. Verse 2, as Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And you say, well, that just seems strange. Now, the truth is, is it's, that is kind of like what we do today, uh, the same symbolism, uh, but a greater symbolism. And I'll go we'll talk about that. But it's like, when you raise your right hand and you, you put your hand on the Bible and you raise your right hand, it's making an oath and it's a symbol of the oath they're making. But this symbol is greater or in a lot of ways it's, more, it's different because this symbol of the hand under the thigh is a symbol of a family oath. It's a, it's a symbol of a, a oath that's made between the family and it's honestly... When you put the hand under the thigh, uh, what you're saying is, is that this oath is for the continuation of the seed of Abraham. 
this oath is being made that this will continue. It's only one other time that's mentioned is when Joseph did the same thing, but it's a family. It's a family that's, that's doing this. And, and this servant, again, kind of illustrates the Holy Spirit, a part of the family, uh, very, very much so in this, in this case. But, but he puts his hand under his thigh, and it's, it's a, a family oath. The thigh is representative of the seed of the family. The oath is a family oath that the seed will prosper, that it will continue. And so uh, then the second thing is it's an it's a act of submission. To place your, the hand under someone, under the thigh, is to say, I'm submitting to that person. And again, the Holy Spirit submits to the Father. The Holy Spirit submits to the Father. This ends, it's just exactly what the Holy Spirit came to do. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, 14 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also you, uh, after that ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. The salvation comes through the word of God, Jesus Christ, the word, and the Holy Spirit seals that salvation. And, uh, and so the Holy Spirit uh, in John chapter 16, verse 13 says, how be it when he the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. So the servant is making an oath to the father. The servant is only going to go, is only going to carry the words of the father, only going to carry the strength and authority of the father when he, when he goes. So, but uh, the scripture found, it says, but whosoever he shall hear, that uh, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Since the servant and the spirit has committed, you know, the servant and, of course, the picture of the spirit of God has committed to the father, then the command must be followed. So uh, here's the, the servant. He is, he's acted in submission. He's made an oath of submission to the father. So now a command has come. Uh, now, if you've already made an oath that you're going to submit to the authority, you've got to follow the command. So now the command has come. He says, I'll make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth. This is verse 3, that thou shalt not take a wife unto, uh, to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. So the command comes to the servant, you got to go, and you got to go to this far country, and you got to go and get a bride for my son. And so... Uh, begin in verse 3, the father commands his servant to go into a far country. And again, when the picture is made, the, the Holy Spirit goes into a far country, which is this planet Earth, so to speak, and, and get a bride for his son. The bride must be one who is part of the family. Now you say, well, you know, we're, we're sinners and lost. So the Holy Spirit comes, but, but they, we can't become the bride until we become part of the family. And so we become part of the family. And then in Genesis chapter 24, verses 5 and 6, it says, The servant said unto him, Peradventure, the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring the son, thy son, again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that uh, thou that thou bring not my son thither again. Now, this is a, 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 a very important passage of Scripture to me 
uh, depending on what you've been taught, how you've been taught, there's a, uh, uh, a, uh, a truth or a uh, principle that I was taught very, very early in my Christian life and when I went to Bible college. And it was uh, just a statement I heard made, I don't know, hundreds of times, really. And that was this, make no provision for failure. Make no provision for failure. Now, the truth is, we should not, what that truth is saying is make no, is don't be looking for what you're going to do when you can't accomplish what you need to accomplish. It's, it's don't be planning how you're going to escape this situation because you failed to accomplish what you need to accomplish. And I understand that, that there is a driving force there when you say, well, you know what, I don't have a plan B. I'm just going to make plan A work. It is a good statement, and it is a driving force kind of statement that will say, you know, I'm not giving up because I don't have a plan B, so I'm not giving up. Now, but there's also a, a kind of a side to that, that thing that can get us in trouble. And that's when we decide that we're going to make something happen, but it's not God's plan. You say, well, you know, I just, you know, I'm going to make this happen. Well, here we have a, a, an example of a servant and an example of the Holy Spirit himself. And he comes and he says, okay, I've been given this command, but he says, but what if? But what if? Now, the reason he's saying what if is because, you know, if, if God gives me a command to something to accomplish for him, then I should not be in, I, I don't have a plan. Okay, uh, this illustration, when God called me to come to this church, I don't have, uh, you know, I'm not calling to kind of keep meetings scheduled on the side in case this doesn't work out. Uh, that's not a plan. That's not something I should do because that's not, God didn't bring me here to fail. He brought us here to do whatever he commanded us to do. Uh, and so that we are, we are to, co to complete that. But now, in the completing of that, one of the things I want to do is I want to see people grow. I want to see people get saved. I want to see people... But a lot of the growth of individuals and a lot of, well, to all of it, whether somebody gets saved, you know, that's really comes down to their decision. No matter how much I try to force them, it's still their decision. And, and, and when we, ha we have to address that issue. And sometimes we try to force something to happen that's out of our realm it's not my realm to force somebody to comply. It's not my realm to force, say, well, I'm not going to fail, so I'm going to make this happen. And God says, that's not your place. The, you can't make somebody get saved. And, and I'll be honest with you, when I, when I first went out and saw one, and I was so competitive, you know, I, I'm going to talk to you until you get saved, just so that you, you know, I know you maybe want me just shut up. But, uh, but I'm going to get you to pray a prayer because that's, when I'm my, that's my goal. And, I, and I'm not going to fail. So I'm going to stay after you like a, you know, a dog on a piece of meat until you finally bow your head and pray a prayer. Now, the problem with that, when you force somebody into it, I'm not sure what they really meant when they prayed. Matter of fact, I've dealt with a lot of people over the years where I'll say to them, do you know for sure you say, well, yeah, I prayed a prayer. Well, the way you said that, it doesn't sound like that prayer really meant anything to you. Well, no, I just did it because so-and-so 
wouldn't leave me alone or I just did it because, you know what? There has to be a point where I realize there are some things that I must make happen. I should not look for a way out. I should not look for an escape because God's given me to do. But there are also some things that I cannot force to be. I can't do that. And, uh, and I'm not sure if that totally makes, makes sense to you, but this is what this servant is saying. He's saying, uh, he's saying, peradventure, the woman won't come with me because it's out of my hands to make her accept. And when we go soul winning, it's, it's really, it's out of our hands to make them accept. We can do what the servant's going to do in this story. He's going to meet her, and he's going to present to her. Well, he's going to put jewelry on her, all kinds of things on her. And the truth is, we do much the same thing when we go out soul winning. We go out and we present incredible jewels to them. We offer them incredible gifts to them. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We offer incredible gifts to them, and, and we present them. But the bottom line is the story, and we're not going to read through it all, but the bottom line is there's going to have to come a point when the Holy Spirit says to the potential bride, will you go? Will you accept? And at that point, she may say no. And when she does, we can't force her. It's a great statement, make no provision of failure, for many will give up easily if they have, if a, a way paid for them rather than continue to struggle to win. But also, many have abused this statement. You see, we cannot force things to be as we want them if we are not in God's plan or if the outcome is based on another human's decision. And that's where we have to become very careful that, that it's twofold, that we don't force something because it's my will. I, I worked with a man uh, for a long time, and, he, kept, and it was, he repeatedly said, this is my vision, my vision, my vision. And I would say, periodically sometimes, I would simply say, but is it God's vision? Is this what God wants us to do? For we've got to determine, is it what God wants us to do? Illustration, I, I was given the, the assignment, and this is probably 30 years ago, I was at a pastor school meeting, and somebody gave me an assignment, and it happened to, be, to get something. And it happened to be something I was very familiar with, and, and I'll be honest with you, I can't remember all the details now. It's been so long ago, but I can remember the situation very vividly. Uh, and and uh, immediately I knew that what they were asking for did not exist. It just didn't exist. And, uh, and so I, I can remember that it, it caused a little source of conflict because the man looked at me and he said, look, man, don't make any provision for failure, just get it done. And I looked and I smiled and I said, you can't do what is impossible because it doesn't exist. Now, the fact is, is that sometimes we have to understand that we can't force, when, since it didn't exist, I had to look at it like this. I had to, to accept the fact that what they were asking for could not be God's plan because God never created it yet. Does that make sense? 
So if it doesn't exist, God must not be for it happening. Not unless he's going to have it invented next week. So no matter how hard I tried, I could not get something that did not exist. My orders were to make no provision for failure. I did not deem it a failure that God clearly did not want it to be, for he had never allowed anyone to create the item. The servant was not talking about failing. He, he was wanting to know what to do if the girl refused to come because that was out of his hand. To force her to come would be kidnapping. It would not really accomplish anything for Isaac and Rebecca would never have loved each other, I don't believe, in that forced situation. The servant would go. He would not return without a wife. He would not bring the son back without a wife, but the ultimate decision lay in Rebecca's lap. The Spirit has to come to seek us, to offer us the union, but he will not force us into this union with the Son. The well of water is the Word of God, and the Spirit and the sinner meet at the well of the Word. If the sinner will heed the Spirit to draw upon the water, see, that's where the Spirit came to the well. And the sinner came to the well. And the well of water, I believe, is the word of God, Jesus Christ, the word of God. They both met at Jesus, but now will she submit? Will she humble herself and accept? The spirit hastens to the sinner, the potential bride with us uh, uh, to offer it. And, and those who respond are, are given the water of life, the word of God, Jesus Christ. When we look to verses 55 through 58, if you go there now in Genesis chapter 24, 55 through 58. It says this, and her brother, and let's see, make sure I've got this. And her brother and her mother said, let the damsel abide with us a few days, at least 10. After that, she shall go. And he said, now this is the servant. And he said unto them, hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way and send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, we will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. You see, even this is, is such an example of, to me of the scripture today that the Lord says that today is the day of salvation. The world will try to come and, and when the gospel is presented and you've, and again, if you go soul one of you probably had this happen, you go to a door and somebody's there and there may be somebody else there that keeps trying to interrupt and tell them that they don't need this, that they don't need to hear this, or they can do this later, or we can go to church. I was in uh, my very first soul winning escapade up in, up in Chicago when I, when I moved up there. Uh, I really didn't know anything about it, but I, a fella, his name was Bruce Butler, took me uh, out into the projects, what I thought it was. I don't know really where we were. We were in some apartment, in, you know, third floor apartment in Chicago, and to me that was, you know, the high rises. Uh, but because uh, I came from the country of Tennessee, but, you know, we were there, and we went up to this third floor, and we walk in and it's dark. There's no light in the stairwell. There's nothing. And, and, and I'm walking around there and I'm thinking, where in the world are we? We walk, finally we go into this, this room and he he's, uh, starts to witness to this lady and the lady starts to pray and, and uh, Bruce is kneeling down in front of her. She sits on the couch and she's praying for him when all of a sudden, boom, the door gets kicked open and three big old men come in and 
One of them walks right over to the woman and grabs her by the hair of the head and throws her back and says, she, you know, this woman uh, can't, you know, she don't need to pray or she doesn't, something, I forget exactly, can't get saved and uh, she's too evil. And, and, and man, they started yelling and screaming and all kinds. And, and Bruce is trying to talk to them and I'm backing up, getting to the door as quick as I can get to the door because I'm, you know, I want an escape route. And uh, it, it, was, it was just absolutely, it was, it, was, it was crazy. But, you know, that's the ultimate example of somebody trying to convince this woman that today's not the day. And this is what her family did. Her family says, don't go with him today. Wait 10 days. Let's, let's you know, don't, don't get too excited about this spiritual thing right now. Take it easy. It's what happens to so many people when they, when they first get saved. Uh, and they may be saved, uh, but, but now they want to make a commitment to the Lord. And, and we have them right here in this church. And, and uh, they get a job immediately. And that job it, almost always is going to schedule them Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday night. Something's going to pull them away. Or maybe some family member. And then it's a, it's a family reunion. Amen. Uh, so then it's going to take them out of church uh, the week after they get in church. Well, now well, next week's family reunion. Let's go to that. And, and it's just something's always trying to say tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. But God says today is the day of salvation. So it's just the parallel that we see uh, with the Holy Spirit. And so we're, we're just looking at this, this passage and trying to make that parallel, and of course you see that everything is based on the Father, though. If you go to verse 12, and he said, O Lord God, my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. See, again, the Holy Spirit is coming and saying, it's not about me. I'm not doing this. I'm not searching for a bride for me. I'm searching for a bride for the father. I'm searching for the, well, the brides for the son, but I'm, I'm following the command of the father. I'm doing what the father has told me to do. And so the Holy Spirit comes to the right place. He goes to the, to the right location. He comes to, uh, it's one of the things, again, that I think that we should pray. We should pray for Holy Spirit bread, what I call it. I believe God can lead us to the right door. I believe God can read it, lead us to the right people. I believe God can lead us to the right place. And this, this is what the Holy Spirit, the servant, the Holy slash Holy Spirit goes to the right location because there is a heart there that is tender uh, toward the Word of God and toward, toward the, the, the Spirit of God. And so he comes to this well, and there at this well, Boy, amazed. There, here comes this woman. And this woman is the exact right woman. Why? Because the Spirit of God can lead us to the right one, the one that's hungry. I don't know if you've ever done it, but I've, I've spent some time, you know, in praying and asking the Lord to, to guide me across the path of somebody that wanted to hear what I had to say. And, uh, you know, and, and I've, I've had it after praying that prayer the next door or uh, for just I turned this corner or I went to this place or I started to stop here but said, no, I think we'll go to the next street. And, and you go there and the door 
comes wide open to the first door that you come to, and you think, man, this is so easy. Uh, and it is. Sometimes, if God, if we will pray and be submitted to the Holy Spirit of God, He will lead us. I gave you this illustration, and it's a long, long illustration. I'll be, I won't do that today, but but when I found this truth in, in Luke chapter 11 about the Holy, what I call the Holy Spirit bread, when, when he says, give us this day our, our daily bread or day by day our daily bread, and I believe that, that so much of that is really this Holy Spirit bread where God will give us bread for somebody who's hungry. And I found that, and I, and I began very intensely to pray that prayer. And I believe God did this just because he was trying to encourage me in what I was learning. But that summer, we were traveling as a family. And as we traveled as a family uh, all over the country, had a little mini motor home. And, and I don't know if you can understand it, but I mean, it's everywhere you go. It's, yeah, I got little girls and, and seven women, so I'm unloading every bit of suitcases. I'm unloading everything. I'm going, you know, and I'm trying to take care of everything. Every place we go stop for gas, I'm the guy pumping the gas. I'm the one checking the oil. I'm the one doing everything. So I, you don't have a whole lot of opportunity just to talk to people because you're trying to take care of everything plus watch them, uh, plus wait on them. The only time I really might have an opportunity to actually talk to somebody is when I walk away from the restroom and knowing that there's seven of them in line at the women's restroom. And so that might be another 30 minutes for me. And so I, I would go, and, uh, but in that summer, I got to, to witness to 33 people. And you say, well, that's not a lot during a whole summer out traveling, but, but that's what God had allowed it. But I, that, that summer, I grabbed a hold of this prayer. God, lead me across the path of somebody's hungry. Give me your bread and lead me across the path of somebody's hungry. And it might be 5 o'clock in the morning as I woke up one morning hearing somebody uh, opening and shutting their, their hood of their car and, and uh, they were struggling with the English language, but, uh, but I knew there was a problem and I heard something about they needed oil for the car and so I looked, I got up out of the bed and I went and got a, uh, found a quart of oil in my motor home and I went out there at 5 o'clock in the morning and I said, can I help you out and hand them the quart of oil? And, and about uh, you know, a little while later, uh, both of them there had trusted Christ. But that, that summer, I got to witness the 33 people. This has never happened to me before or since, but that summer, after witnessing the 33 people, 33 people had trusted Christ. Everybody that God had crossed the path and allowed me to give the gospel to had trusted Christ. Now, as I said, it's never happened before like this. It's never happened since like this. It's not normal. But I think it was God was taking me on a journey to teach me that it's very important that the Holy Spirit leads you, leads you to the right well, the right well where somebody is coming that's thirsty. And that's what the Holy Spirit prayed to the Father, the servant prayed to God and said, lead me. And he led him, and he led him to exactly the right place, not only the right place, but exactly the right time, the right moment for Rebecca to be coming to the well. And this servant is, is amazingly spiritual person. Now, he's just an Old Testament picture of something, but he really 
was he was really like family because he put the hand of, uh, he was very, I believe, submitted to God and to Abraham's God because he sought God over and over, that God would lead him, that God would direct him. He was very committed to the promise he had made. He was going to do what he had promised Abraham, and he wasn't going to delay. I need to get the bride to the son now. Today is the day of salvation. And so he does. He follows through. And no, I don't think he made provision for failure, but he did say, he did understand, I can't force them. So what do you want me to do if I can't force them? And what happens is, is I believe he says, well, just let my son stay there. And what God's saying, I believe there, is that if that one doesn't receive him, there will be one that will. All right, we, we've been uh, stopping a few minutes early. Give us a few more minutes to get kind of set up and ready, uh, get prepared here. So...